0: Church, it's so good to see you this morning. If you are visiting with us, we are walking through a series through the Gospel of Mark. We take a detour this morning, so I'm going to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Psalm 96 this morning. Psalm 96. For those who are a part of our church, last Sunday we had a, a wonderful Sunday where our longtime pastor, Dr. Gary Fenton, for 25 years served so faithfully and powerfully here helped us be reminded of an emphasis in the life of our church that was born out of prayer, a God-sized vision to go to show the love of Christ and to tell others about the source of salvation. Go, love, tell. If you're new to Dawson, this was a five-year emphasis. The goal is to raise five million dollars for five projects. Started in 2015, we've come to the the quote-unquote completion of that first chapter in 2020. So last week was a time to celebrate God's faithfulness. In Birmingham, in Maine, in Tanzania, in Africa, in Asia, we were able to see a little bit of a taste of what God has done in and through His work here at Dawson and how we've been able to partner with those uh, locally, in our state, in our nation, and globally. Now, this Sunday... We want to look ahead. This Sunday, we want to think about the next chapter of what God would call us as a congregation to be about as we continue to join him in his mission. He is a God who desires for his name to be known in every nook and cranny of his creation. That no person would, would not know of his glory and of his fame. And so we as a church, we join him where he is working where He has gone before us, and we want to be as we have for 95 years. We want to be found faithful as God's people. So what does that look like? Psalm 96 will be the passage that will be our focal passage to garner our attention to His Word. Psalm 96, verse 3, has been from the start of Go, Love, Tell, the foundational passage that is rooted what we've known as Go, Love, Tell. Psalm 96, 3 reads, "...declare His glory among the nations." His marvelous works among all the peoples. So we're going to listen to Psalm 96 as God calls us as His people to join Him in His mission. Psalm 96, starting in verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Yes, the the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Psalm 96 is an astonishingly joyful psalm. It is a psalm, verse 1 through verse 13, that is a psalm that drives us to him as the one who is only worthy of our praise and honor and glory. It is a psalm, I dare you, I just dare you to read Psalm 96 and try to keep a frown on your face. I dare you to do that. I dare you to try to read this psalm and not break out in a smile any follower of of God reads this passage and it is just exclamation point after exclamation point, ascribing to the Lord who He is, His glory, His majesty, His strength. Now we got 150 Psalms in the Psalter, 150 Psalms that express the full range of human emotion. Lament is in the Psalms, depression is in the Psalms, despair, despondency, Death is in the Psalms. Questions, doubt, they're all throughout the Psalms. Lament is a part of the vocabulary of the prayer book of the Israelites, the hymn book of the 150 Psalms, but not here. Not here in Psalm uh, 96. In Psalm 96, we are called to raise our hands in praise to who he is. And guess what? Everybody is invited to join in this Psalm. Everybody's invited. You see it here in verse 3 and verse 10. There's an invitation that goes out in Psalm 96, and it is to the nations. This is not an invitation just to the Israelites. This is not just a Genesis 12, God calling Abraham to tell this just to the Israelites. No, this is Genesis 12, verse 3, that he calls the Israelites to be a blessing to all the nations. And Psalm 96 is a song of invitation to all of the world, every nation. Every people group. But it's not only an invitation to all, but it is an invitation to everything. I love this about Psalm 96 because it is a psalm where creation joins together in praise of God. Do, do you see what we think as inanimate objects? They're personified and they're, they're joining together, praising God. As you read Psalm 96, the trees are praising God. The fields are praising God. The mountains are singing to God. The very depths of the oceans join together in this chorus of the glory of God and all of creation is invited and every person is invited. But boy, how far removed the psalm is from life as we experience it now. It it is a psalm that is is, uh, this exclamation point of the glory of God and all peoples and all creation. But we live in a land that is so far from the reality of Psalm 96. You have family members that have been affected by the hurricanes that have ravaged Louisiana, the Gulf Coast of Alabama, the Panhandle of Florida. Communities have been affected. Businesses have been lost. It's been real pain, real loss. What about the trees exulting? The seas praising? You turn on your television, you have family members, you have friends, Whether the wildfires in the West are wreaking havoc upon entire communities, businesses lost, livelihoods lost, decades of homes that have been established in this area, they're gone, and you have millions and millions of acreage that are in, in flames even now as we speak. Disease is in our land. And no one is immune from it. The White House, not immune. Your house, not immune. We can't buy your way out of this. Socioeconomic levels, no prejudice. COVID-19, it, it has hit every part of our nation and all parts of our world. And we read Psalm 96, and it seems so far from the world in which we know, the world that we see around us. And and we wonder, what is Psalm 96 even talking about? Well, Psalm 96 is talking about a day that is the destination of all believers. The world as it is now is not the world as it will be forever. In Psalm 96, hey, it is a coming attractions, You haven't been to the movies in a while? Psalm 96 is the previews of the movies that are ahead for us. It is the coming attraction of the new heaven and the new earth where creation now, it waits and it groans in anticipation. It groans in anticipation of the, the day where all disease will become doxology. All pains will be transformed into praises. The world that is broken before us will be set right forever. And this is where we're headed to. This is what we as a believers, as a church, we have to hold on to. This is our hope. It is a living hope and it is a hope that is worth sharing. Psalm 96 invites a response from you and it's not just a response to wait and see. It is a response to look up and to share this good news first invitation from Psalm 96 that I invite you to consider this morning is that Psalm 96 invites you to gaze upon God's glory. This is the refrain, calls us again and again to see God's greatness, to see His glory. It tells us to declare His glory, His marvelous works, to gaze upon His splendor, His majesty, His strength. Is that a passing glance? It is an immersion of your life. You're immersed in who God is and His greatness because the psalmist is telling us that all of us will ascribe glory to something or someone. You're a worshiper. The only question is what is the object of your worship? Verse 4 tells us that you can have the improper object of your worship here. Verse 4 reminds us that we are worshipers by nature, but our natural inclination isn't to worship the true God, but it is to worship worthless gods. Worship worthless idols. Now, an idol isn't just something you fashion out out of jewelry and you bow down before it. We're much too sophisticated in the 21st century for that temptation. Most of us, sitting in these pews, this preacher himself, we make little things great. We take earthly things and ascribe to them eternal value. This is how we fashion our idols. We we take things that are transient, temporary, and we give ultimate allegiance to them the word glory is an interesting word in the old testament it's it's a word that actually in the hebrew language can be translated weight weightedness what the psalmist is telling us is he repeats this refrain of glory in verse 3 he tells us to declare his glory in verse 7 ascribe to the lord glory verse 8 ascribe to the lord glory what does this mean well, it means that we are going to ascribe glory and worth to something. Do you remember the, the writer David Foster Wallace? 20th century fiction writer, essayist, tragic passing of his life, brilliant man. There's no doubt about that. He was interviewed by Rolling Stone magazine, late 90s. And in this, his, his writing so often talks about the, trans, uh, the transcendent, the eternal, the ultimate. To my knowledge, he wasn't a believer, but his writing was, was truthful as it pointed to something beyond himself. And he said this in the interview, that we're all dying to give our lives to something or someone. The question is, what is your something and who is your someone? Only God is weighty enough to contain your ultimate allegiance. Everything else in this world is it's just temporal. It's passing. It's ephemeral. It's, it's here and it's gone. It's a fog. It's a vapor. It's a, it's a mist before us. Uh, Madison Avenue sells us this sort of lie that, that puts your ultimate value in your beauty, but we know it, it passes. Put your ultimate value in your career, but we know that doesn't always work out. Put your ultimate value in your health, but we know that doesn't always work out. See, the world is telling us That there are things that are worthy of our worship, but the Word of God reminds us that only He and He alone is worthy of your worship, worthy of your praise. Wright Thompson is a a writer. He writes for ESPN, but he's a sports journalist. It's worth reading. He's a sports journalist that probably is going to be read for a while, right? Thompson he writes these long-form essays, and out of them had been this compilation of a book that was called The Cost of These Dreams. It's a remarkable book in many ways. He's this unprecedented access to sort of the Mount Everest of athletes. So there's a whole chapter on Michael Jordan. He's just been all this intimate time with Michael Jordan. There's a whole chapter on Tiger Woods. There's this whole chapter on Teddy Ballgame, Ted Williams, bats over 400, plays for the Red Sox. You know Ted Williams, Urban Meyer. I mean, literally some of the highest successes in athletics, he has this unprecedented connection with. And in the book, The Cost of These Dreams, I mean, you see the through line just in the title there. He talks about how each of these individuals that have reached the height of success, the height of achievement, and they all realize it isn't enough. That fame isn't enough. Athletic prowess Isn't enough. That you can have it all on the court. You can have it all on the field. You can can reach to the height of athletic achievement and still realize that it isn't enough. Because when we give our ultimate value to these things, we realize that eventually these things let us down or these people let us down. The cause of these dreams this is just this wonderful reminder of what we know, but sometimes we need to be reminded of, you and I, we're not going to be like Mike on the basketball court, but we're all like Mike because we're sinners in need of a Savior. And the same temptation that he has is a temptation that you and I have. We just, we just express it in different ways. And we are tempted to give ultimate value to temporal things. To place our true significance in things that ultimately will not last. The psalmist reminds us that we're worshipers. The question is, is who and what are we worshiping? He, and only he, is worthy of your worship. Notice in this passage that we're called to gaze upon God's glory. But notice in this passage that we're called to tell of God's glory. Listen to the refrain of Psalm 96. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. Tell of his salvation. Verse 2. From month to month. From year to year. From season to season. No. Tell of his salvation from fill in the blanks. Tell of his salvation from. Tell of his salvation from. You're not doing good, Dawson. Come on, wake up. Tell of his salvation from. There we go. Help me out. Help a preacher preach today. Can you do that for me here? There we go. Tell of his salvation from day to day. This is the refrain of Psalm 96 here. This is the refrain, the salvation of God that has captured our hearts. What were the marvelous deeds that the psalmist was talking about declaring? Well, it was the exodus, wasn't it? For the psalmist, it was the exodus that God came into that Egyptian captivity of the Israelites and he set them three free through the parting of the Red Sea. Now, your Red Sea experience, the marvelous deeds of salvation that have captured your heart, it is that God has set you free from your bondage to sin, my bondage to sin through the parting of the Red Sea that we know to be the cross and the resurrection that has made a way for us as sinful humans to be in a relationship with a holy God. This is the marvelous deeds that he has done for you and he has done for me. And we have the privilege as we gaze upon his glory to tell of his marvelous deeds. I don't know what your elementary school experience was like, but when I was growing up, to me, the height, the height of first grade and second grade, I don't remember much about it, but I tell you, one day I remember about it, and it was called, you remember this day? Show and tell. Show and tell. I mean, we didn't have Promethean boards, smart boards, when I went to school in 1957, it was it, we we had chalkboards and chalk. I mean, that's all that they had. I mean, we did not have the sophistication where you can you can appeal to all the senses of kids. Now that they have, I mean, really, all you had was your mouth and you had you had a paddle. That that was something they had back in. In the the 50s when I went to school but so we tell of God's glory and I remember I remember when I was a young kid and I would go to show and tell and my my friends they had the best things to, to bring to school I had a friend that brought a hamster to school when the hamster got out and it was just this everybody was chasing after the hamster it was it was a good day at Clinton Park I had a friend that brought his dad to school his dad was a fireman I mean, he was just larger than life. Brought in his uniform, had all the, I mean, it was just amazing. I brought a book to school. <laughs> I did. I mean, it was an amazing book. It was one of those choose your own adventure books. You remember those books? There were for Promethean boards also. You would get to page seven, and it would say, Go into the cave and explore where the pirates are. Or don't do that turn to page eight you remember you could you could choose your own adventure and I remember in Miss Staten's class I got up and I held up the book and I went to tell and I just went mute you've ever been in that kind of place and show and tell where the words are in your mouth I sort of had practiced it but I was so absolutely nervous in that moment that I could not get words out of my mouth it wasn't enough for me to show the book I had to talk about the book And Miss Staten, she was really, really nice. She came up beside me, and she said, David, tell us a little bit about this book, what happened in this book. And she helped coach me through it. It was a good day. I'm sort of scarred by it, but hey, you know, life goes on. <laughs> so I, I couldn't just show the book, though. I had to tell about the contents of the book. And so, as we open up God's Word, there is a call for us to show the effects of the gospel and the transformation of our life, but we have to tell, we have to tell the good news of the gospel. You see, you need to show, Matthew chapter 5 tells us, it tells us powerfully, does it not, that we are to do what? To allow Uh, the the power of the Holy Spirit to shine through us so that our light may shine, so that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So our unbelieving friends and family members should see the change that is wrought in your life and in my life through the power of the gospel. And it should look differently in the way that we work. There should be integrity in our workplaces. There should be love in our families. There's the power of the gospel that shows forth in the transformation of our families and our workplaces. But that is not enough. No one is saved through you solely being a good neighbor. We have to tell of the source of that life change in our life. It's not enough for us just to show the effects of the gospel, but never tell the very truth of the gospel. The gospel is something that ultimately must be told. There's this old sort of folklore. 17th century story of Francis of Assisi walking through a village and he had his protege, a Franciscan monk, with him and he went from one place to one place to one place and he never said anything and the the novice monk looked at him and said, I thought you were going to preach and then the quote that is attributed to Francis of Assisi is, preach the gospel always, use words only when necessary. And, and, And it sounds like, yes, amen, preach the gospel With our actions, use words only and necessary. But the gospel, to be shared, can only be shared through our words. It is a message to declare. It is a message to explain. It is a message to deliver, to declare. And it is a message that this church for 95 years has shown the power that the life changed through. And it is told. And God willing, until he comes back, we as a church will continue to show and tell now how will we do that in the years ahead Well, let me show you a little glimpse of three areas that God is leading our church as we continue to go love and tell
1: well hey Dawson my name is Travis Bush and my family and I live in Gorham Maine where I pastor Summit Community Church and we are so excited about some of the things that God is doing in our midst right now. Even through this season of the last five months with the pandemic, we've seen God grow his church as well as God opening doors in the community for partnership with folks like the school department and uh, the Gorham Rec department. We've also seen God open doors with a new facility as we've grown out our current facility and just opening up doors there and continuing the process of having conversations on what it looks like to build more of a community center in the heart of our community. We're excited about all the doors that God's opening and you can be praying for us just in those ways that God would continue to give us wisdom and and guidance uh, on the timing of things, as well as just wisdom on leading and what it looks like to pastor and shepherd and lead in this season. We're thankful for you, Dawson, and we hope to see you real soon. Hey Dawson Memorial. My name is Kelly Parrish
0: and I have the privilege of planting Living Rock Church in Fort Collins, Colorado and Northern Colorado. God is working significantly among us. We're an incredibly unreached area, but we've seen hundreds uh, come to faith in Christ. We've had the privilege of planting three other churches out of Living Rock Church. We're excited that you guys are coming on board to be a part of what God's doing here. Please pray for us, pray for perseverance in this season among these people, that God would help us to love them well, to continue to point them to Christ, and that we would see many come to faith in Jesus as the gospel continues to be proclaimed. Thank you again, Dawson, for your incredible partnership with us. We are so thankful for your partnership with us. We moved to the Middle East almost three years ago. We live in a Muslim country where a tiny fraction of the people are believers less than 0.01%. Our work here is focused on evangelism and church planting.
2: In terms of what God is doing
0: here, we would say three things. One, Muslims are hearing the gospel personally for the very first time. Two, some are reading the Bible with believers to learn about Jesus. And three, some churches are being formed and even growing. Here are our prayer requests. One, that God would open the hearts of people throughout this country so that they would put their faith in Jesus Christ. Two, that new believers would faithfully persevere even in the face of persecution. And three, that churches would grow and spread to the hundreds of cities where there are no known believers or churches.
2: Hi, I'm Pastor Nate Brooks. Pastor of the Greatest St. John Baptist Church here in Birmingham, Alabama, in the power right? area. It is amazing about what God is doing in the life of our church and what God is doing through partnerships such as with you at Dawson Memorial Baptist Church. You see, I passed in an area where so much crime and so much goes on, and it's through partnerships like with Dawson that has allowed so much to take place. We started out with the food bank oh amazing because of dawson we were able to get a lot of our resources and food for the community and since then we have fed over 4,000 people within our community the we know the projects the homeless community as well but because of your partnership dawson is a, is, is is bringing more resources they're allowing us to revitalize within our church building we're able to open up our church to do the greater good of God. And so, because of your resources, because of your partnership, because of your love for community, because of your love for Greater St. John Baptist Church, Dawson, we thank you. And my heart goes out to each one of you. Thank you for packing food. Thank you for sending food. Thank you for giving resources. And thank you for showing Christ-like love. Approximately
0: two years ago, the missions team along with our missions pastor Ben Hill begin to pray together about what the next chapter of Go, Love, Tell would look like in the life of our church. And through these meetings and through this prayerful deliberation, three broad areas have come to a consensus. The first is church revitalization. Uh, Dr. Nate Brooks, the pastor of Greater St. John Baptist Church, four miles away from us here in the powderly community of Birmingham. This church has been a church over the last six months, because of COVID, because of the pandemic that has been before us, God has strategically allowed our church to come alongside of their faithful members, faithful pastor, to be able to do much of what you have heard there. We pray in the years ahead, that church revitalization would be a part of God's call upon our church to go, to love and to tell. The second broad area that God has placed upon the heart of our missions team as we think of the second chapter of Go Love Tell is what we're calling broadly to be second generation church planting. There are two church planters that you saw. One is an hour north of the Denver area. Their church was planted in 2015 and since 2015 they have planted three other churches through the prayerful partnership of Dawson to our members and resources coming alongside of what God is already doing there we pray that God would be able to strategically allow our church to help in the planting of their fourth church the other church that you saw there is not an fam- unfamiliar face to many of you here it, it's the church planter named Travis Bush Travis has Travis has been with us here at Dawson church planter in Maine in 2017 our chapel choir took a tour to Maine and worked alongside of their faithful church Summit Church God has placed a vision upon Travis to plant another church in a neighboring community God has established really strong symbiotic relationship between their congregation and members of our congregation and through our prayers through our partnership through going we pray that we can help and assist and be a part of what God is doing in Maine in the years to come. The final broad area of the next chapter of Go, Love, Tell is going to be entitled Unreached People Groups. Now that encompasses a lot. The voices that you heard on the video, especially for those of you that have been connected to Dawson over these last years, they're familiar voices. Obviously we're protecting the platform of their ministry there. And so we won't go into explicit detail of who the uh, they are and where they're serving in this context, but they're voices of our people, uh, people that are called out of this church, who we love and are thankful for, that are serving in Central Asia. It's our prayer that our church, in the years to come, could come alongside of what God is already up to, what He is already doing in making his name known in areas like Central Asia, where there is a predominance of those who do not claim the name of Jesus Christ. So this is the second chapter, initial starts of where God prayerfully will lead us as a church under these broad umbrellas of church revitalization, second generation church planting, and then partnering with unreached people groups. Your response to this? Well, you have four ministry families to pray for specifically. If God has taught me anything in my ministry, is the absolute vital importance of prayer. The vital importance of prayer. So we as a congregation will focus our prayers in these ways in the years to come. We will also, we will also answer his call to go. There will be those from our congregation who will go and serve alongside of them for short-term, and I pray, longer-term opportunities of partnership and ministry. It very well may be that some of you in this very sanctuary will answer the call that God is stirring in your heart and will even clarify in the days to come to give of your time and your resources to come alongside of what he's doing in these strategic areas of Birmingham, of our nation, and then ultimately of our world. As we think of Psalm 96, that original passage of Go, Love, Tell, Psalm 96 verse 3 calls us to declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Dawson, we've been a church that has gone is loved, and is told. And we will be a church that continues to go, love, tell. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the great joy to heed your call to the nations. There are billions of people who do not profess you as Lord and Savior, There are millions within our own country who do not have a saving relationship with you. There are thousands within our own city who have not bowed before you and professed faith in you as Savior and Lord. May we, as a church, show the love of the gospel in our care, our concern, our deeds, but may we be a church that always not only shows, but we tell, we show and we tell. We tell the source of salvation. We tell of a God who is gracious and merciful and still bends down to save each and every person who professes faith in him. We thank you that you are a saving God who calls us to go. May we heed your call to go in the days, the months, in the lifetime that you would give us ahead, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.